three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Independent Sports, episode 362. Uh, there's a massive heat wave where I'm still living. Got a couple more weeks left here. Got the AC blasting. It's supposed to be 115 here tomorrow, which is just awful. I live in Washington. Why is it that hot? It's going to be a breaker record if it gets to 115. I think it already broke a record today at 108. I don't like, like, I like warm weather. I don't like incredibly hot weather. It's not fun. Lost the power today. It's been off and on all day. Doing the best I can. I, it would be kind of hilarious if I lost power during recording. That'd be kind of interesting. Uh, I think the camera would actually keep going, but the lights would go off and the mic would cut out. It'd be interesting. So if that happens, you know, stay tuned. You might get to witness that. Uh, today we're talking about Tom Brady. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. We'll do a very, very healthy Ask Zach. Actually, no, it's a very short Ask Zach segment. I always say healthy, but uh, today it's actually a shorter Ask Zach segment. I see a spider on the wall. Always throws me off. I hate I hate spiders like so much. They're fast and they I, and there it goes. It just disappeared behind the curtain. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. That should not happen. Um, we're doing a, a topic about the Jets documentary. It's called Flight. Uh, I wish it had a better documentary name. It doesn't. It's just called Jets Flight. I wish it was called like Flight Zone or something. It's not. Uh, I've got an interview to end the show with, but today I want to start with this. It's about Tom Brady. There was an article that got put out there on NBC Sports called Read the First DM Chris Godwin Got from Tom Brady After Signing with the Bucks." And uh, Chris Godwin is a receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been there for four years now. He is the credited author of the article as if, you know, like he wrote it. Uh, and he talks about how he didn't believe Tom Brady, first of all, would end up choosing Tampa. He thought he was going to go to the L.A. Chargers was pretty surprised when Tom Brady ended up picking Tampa to play, uh, to play for them. And then after getting the notification that, hey, Tom Brady's coming to your team, he went to check Instagram, look at the news, and said, oh, wow, I have a DM from the Tom Brady. It was kind of mind-blowing to him. And uh, Chris details the direct message he got on Instagram from Tom Brady. Tom said he was excited to play with Chris. Uh, he said he'd watched him a lot over the years. Uh, Tom even made... A joke about college. Remember, uh, Tom Brady went to Michigan. Chris Godwin went to Penn State. Their opponents in the Big Ten East, Michigan and uh, in the Big Ten East division. So Michigan and Penn State, they play each other. Tom said, you know, I'm not going to hold it against you that you're a Penn State guy. But the coolest thing Tom Brady did in this direct message, other than the fact he's reaching out, be, you know, going above and beyond and sending a personal thing is he, Tom said, hey, congrats on getting engaged. He left a personal touch that meant a lot to Chris Godwin. He said, wow, that was pretty cool. And so I just want to take a moment to highlight this side of Tom Brady's game where he goes so far above and beyond what's expected from your franchise quarterback. Tom Brady leads the league in people skills. He is so good at relating to, caring for, and communicating with his teammates. This is one of the things that makes Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all times. You know, Tom Brady's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. It's so, when you look at over the years, the stories you hear about Tom, these are the kind of things that make Tom special. You know, Chris Godwin wrote in the article that it shocked him to have the greatest player of all time not only say, hey, I'm excited to play with you, but also congratulate him on his engagement, that tiny little personal touch. It's, it's a nice thing to do. It's pretty cool. And I just, Tom Brady's not the most 
talented quarterback in NFL history. He's not the tallest or the fastest. Certainly doesn't have the strongest arm. Not a strong arm, for sure, but you look at things Patrick Mahomes does, you go, that's that's not something Tom Brady could ever do. Aaron Rodgers does stuff regularly that Tom Brady simply isn't capable of doing with the football. But Tom Brady mastered every single thing he could about the quarterback position. And it goes beyond decision-making and timing or accuracy and reading defenses. Tom will do anything to win, including connecting with people, showing genuine respect and care. And people skills matter. This is something you can take. Forget playing quarterback. If you're in the business world, no matter what you do in life, being able to relate to people and connect with people and have genuine relationships where you care about them and you build a rapport with them, that matters. Like having people like you is incredibly valuable. It helps you. It can help you win with your quarterback and it can help you in the business world get promoted. Like being likable and getting along, that matters. And especially if it's genuine. Everybody, you can tell when it's fake. It sounds like the way Tom Pretty does it, it's really real. In this article, Tom, I guess you know, Chris wrote it. In this article, Chris Godwin wrote about how, you know, the first time Tom came to throw with his new teammates in Tampa. And Chris said that Tom Brady, the Tom Brady, came out there and was humble, friendly. He listened. He was out there. And this is Chris's words, not mine. He said he was out there to earn his new teammates' respect. Think about that. Tom Brady doesn't need to earn anybody's respect. Not at this point in his career. Going into year 22, Tom Brady could literally say, hey, you know who I am. Listen to me. And I'm sure at some point he gets there. But he also wouldn't win as much if he just imposed this will from the beginning. He has to earn the right to say, hey, listen to me. He has to earn the right to speak into someone's life. You have to earn the right. And it's one thing to earn the right on the football field. I mean, a lot of guys would say, hey, Tom Brady's won six Super Bowls going into Tampa. He's earned the right to treat people however he wants. And that's kind of right in a football sense. But relationally, you still have to earn the right on a personal level. And it sounds like Tom went into Tampa very gracious, very understanding, wanting to earn the right right relationally with his teammates. I love that. And a massive part of why Tom Brady's been the the huge success he's been. I don't want to say massive too many times. But the reason why Tom Brady has won seven Super Bowls and done so well in his career is because of his people skills. It's it's more than just on the field. It's also off the field. Hey, decision-making, timing, accuracy, reading, and all that stuff matters for sure. But a, a forgotten component of his game often is the way he relates to people and gets along with people. His people skills are something that I hope never, ever gets forgotten about Tom Brady. It's one of the things that makes him... So great. And he goes above and beyond, and it's what puts him on the next level. He's playing check chess rather than checkers. And um, Tom Brady, people skills are something people just cannot forget when they tell the story of Tom Brady years from now about the things that made him so great as an NFL quarterback. Uh, the, NF- uh, what, the NFL, geez. The NBA Conference Finals are in full swing. Uh, the Western Conference Finals tonight. I'm recording this on, what is it, Saturday night? It's been a weird day. Heat wave, stuff on and on, uh, on and off, power on and off. The Phoenix Suns just took the series lead 3-1. to one. 
it's pretty unlikely that the LA Clippers are going to come back from that. However, right now in the Eastern Conference Finals, the series is tied 1-1. to The Hawks won Game 1, and in Game 2, the Milwaukee Bucks put a beatdown on Atlanta. So now we're at a really important moment where we kind of have to ask ourselves, will this be a good series or not? Is Game 1 the template, or is Game 2 what's going to carry on and continue throughout this series? I, by the way, I don't really care who wins. Like, not really. I like Atlanta. I probably am partial to Atlanta. I like Trey Young. I like their story. But at the end of the day, all I really want is good, competitive, high-level basketball. And in Game 1, we got that. Game 1, people said Atlanta, in fact, pulled off an upset. Atlanta won Game 1, 116-113. to 113. It was back and forth the entire game. Trey Young had 48 points on the road, by the way. You know, game one and two were both in Milwaukee. Game three and four are going to take place in Atlanta, back home for Atlanta. And also in game one, Milwaukee did not play their best. Um, you know, Chris Middleton only had 15 points. He was six for 23 shooting. The Bucks looked undisciplined. They had multiple possessions that were just ugly and some bad basketball. They looked, I mean, the word that I think... Uh, Charles Barkley used at halftime was they look lackadaisical. They just didn't look, I, I think he literally said word for word, like look like they're playing game 52 of the regular season rather than game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Meanwhile, well, Milwaukee's not having their best game. Trey Young was hitting step back threes. He also was hitting this beautiful shot where it's a teardrop floater where on the run to the basket, drops it up and over. It's a, it's a beautiful shot. Oh my gosh, I love watching that. I love watching Kevin Herter play with Trey Young. Their, their dynamic is really cool. So Atlanta won game one. And then in game two, it was a beatdown. Milwaukee tightened up. Giannis was driving to the basket, which allowed... When Giannis drives to the hoop, it really sucks in the defense. It creates wide open threes along the perimeter. Milwaukee made adjustments. Uh, they kept jumping the passing lane of the perimeter, meaning that Trey Young would try to swing the ball right or left. And... As a result, Trey Young had nine turnovers. Uh, Atlanta, as a team, had 19 turnovers. Four of those were from the bench. So uh, the starting lineup for Atlanta just turned over the ball a bunch. They did not have their best game. And a lot of that, part of it is because Atlanta wasn't their best. Part of it was because Milwaukee made some really good adjustments on the court. Uh, Trey Young also didn't shoot very well. He only hit one three. He was one for eight from uh, three-point range. And at halftime... Milwaukee had a 32-point lead over Atlanta. It was 77-45. to Milwaukee ended up winning the game 125-91. Uh, to That's game two. Now, going into game three, I have a couple questions. Really, two questions, basically. Number one is, can Atlanta keep this series competitive? Will Milwaukee win in five games? Are they going to win three in a row? And we're going to look back and go, I can't believe Atlanta won game one. Or... Hey, you know, game three is a big deal because it's in Atlanta. It's kind of it's it's definitely an inflection point in this series where we're gonna learn a lot about the rest of this series from game three. Is it gonna be competitive or not? That's that's question number one going into game three. Question number two is this. Will Giannis get called for a 10-second free throw violation? Basically, will the NBA enforce it? Giannis has this ridiculously long free throw ritual. It, it's, 
it's kind of maddening to watch. Like, dude, just shoot the ball. And I get it. He's got a, I'm sure he's got a lot going through his head. He's trying to get, you know, peace of mind and be in the right headspace when he's shooting. I, I have empathy for that. But also, the NBA has a rule that once you catch the basketball, you have 10 seconds to shoot or else it's a violation. And then there's no free throw. It doesn't happen. To, it just, you move on to the next one. And Giannis regularly takes much longer than the 10 seconds you're allowed. And it, oh, it drives me nuts watching. And the NBA, by the way, audits calls made at the end of games. And they put out a report. Hey, here's what happened. This call was right. This call was wrong. And the NBA even admitted that in the report from game one, they admitted they should have called a 10-second violation two times. Two times in game one, it should have been called on Giannis for a 10-second free throw violation. And the Atlanta coach, Nate McMillan, wants that to get enforced. And I'm with him. I mean, it's a rule. Why is it not being enforced? Why is nobody calling it? It's just weird to me. Every time you can watch, you can count in your head. Every time he violates it, you're like, are we not, are we only going to call it if it's like 25 seconds really egregious? Because I would be, hey, every time we're going to call it. Now, I, I, it's maybe it's a slippery slope because they don't want the entire series to be determined by Giannis not hitting free throws. Like, I guess if you do enforce it and it, get called, it gets called every single time, maybe it diminishes from the basketball game because... If he's taking 13 seconds instead of 10, how much does that matter? And if the series becomes about that rather than about regular basketball, does that take away from the game? I don't know. But right now, I want to see, I'd love to see at least one game where it gets enforced every single time that he violates the 10 second free throw rule. I want to see that happen. Drives me nuts. Anyway, game three, Hawks, Bucks, uh, Sunday, June 27th. That is, gosh, what time is it? It's 10.38 p.m. here on Saturday night, so I'm not going to say tomorrow night because you probably won't hear this till Sunday. So if you're listening on Sunday, it's the game is tonight. Watch game three. It should be really, really fun, uh, and I'm, I'm interested. Will it be competitive? Will 10-second violations for free throws be called? I don't know, um, but either way, game three is going to be interesting and should indicate a lot about what's going to happen the rest of this series. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. Coming up, we're going to talk about uh, Jets Flight. It's a terribly named documentary, but it should be, it's really interesting. I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, We'll do Ask Zach. And later, I have a fun interview coming up with my friend Jack Playhouse. My name is Zach Schaumler. We're going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Uh, Full transparency, it's been a couple hours since I recorded. I recorded power went out i'm like well there's nothing i can do so i went to bed woke up watched a formula one race here we are uh let's jump in let's uh finish the rest of the episode i want to start here uh, i guess feels like i want to say today but it's the same episode so dude i if you're if you're dealing with a heat wave right now i don't know i don't i, I don't know why 115 degree weather knocks out the power I, I wish i understood the science behind it i don't but i hope you're doing very very well anyway The New York Jets put out a four-part documentary series. It's called Flight 2021. I'll be honest, uh, the name is a bit unsatisfying. I wish it was called, like, The Takeoff or, I I don't know, Flight just for some reason eh, didn't really move the needle for me. However, the documentary itself was very, very quality. Uh, It is worth noting, though, it is put together by the Jets' PR team. 
So there's nothing negative. It's borderline Jets propaganda. It's really not like you're not going to hear any criticism of the Jets or any hard moments. It's just like a positive commercial, basically, uh, for what the Jets are doing. Uh, but over the course of the two-hour watch time, there is some really interesting stuff you can pick up on, uh, some valuable information. And by the way, if you're a Jets fan, I'm not a Jets fan. Uh, I'm just looking for interesting content. But if you are a Jets fan, I would imagine that it's a really good watch. It really will prepare you for the year. It'll give you some excitement. It will teach you a lot about the team, about what's going on, who's behind the team, and who the new players are. And the series kind of covers three big things. Number one is the hiring of the new head coach, Robert Sala. You get to know him, his philosophy, how he does stuff. And then part two and three is, you know, number two is the free agency period. And number three is the NFL draft. So number one, the, the thing that stood out most to me about Robert Sala, and he said this multiple times, he said, I don't want group think. I don't want, you know, he said in their coaches meetings, in their scouting meetings, he encourages discussion. He wants people to be able to challenge each other, challenge their ideas. He doesn't want people to just submit with the the common, again, the word is groupthink. He wants people to have their own individual ideas and be free to express them and share, hey, I like this player, and I don't. I know you don't like him, but I like him. Here's why. He wants to hear everybody's ideas and have free-flowing discussion in their meeting rooms. I think that is phenomenal. Um, it's super important to be able to hear multiple perspectives. And th- this goes with anything. This is not just in the sports world. But it does include the process of scouting players, whether it be in free agency or in the draft. And I just, that was one thing that stood out about Robert Sala to me. I went, hmm, I really, really like that. I already had a lot of confidence in the guy um, going into this documentary. All it really did was confirm everything I already believed. Uh, Robert Sala seems like a great leader. He is well-spoken. He does things the right way. I really liked him in San Francisco with the 49ers. And it does appear like... I know that the documentary, it's two hours, it's four parts, kind of trying to convince me of this. But I already felt like going in, hey, I I feel good about what the Jets are doing. The documentary made me feel even more like, yeah, they really are building something. They made a lot of great moves. The reasons behind their moves became more apparent uh, in this this whole documentary series. And I walked away with a good feeling. I mean, the Jets have – we already knew they had a good general manager, Joe Douglas. Then they hired a good head coach, Robert Sala. The two of them appear – to work really, really well together. And then I, I just was like, man, I, I like the leadership happening right now in the Jets organization. Now, as things shifted toward free agency and the draft, what I thought was really cool is we got to see analysis from the Jets coaching staff uh, on why they signed or why they drafted the guys they brought in. And it's cool hearing from you know Michael Fleur, the Jets offensive coordinator, hearing him explain what his new guys bring to the Jets roster, what he's excited about. I mean, that's a, if you watch this documentary for any reason, that is the thing that is most cool. Uh, you, you do hear analysis from time to time from the outside and you watch ESPN, Fox, you watch my show, you're hearing an outsider's perspective on, hey, here's why I think that's a good move. But to hear from the Jets coaching staff themselves, to hear from the people who made the pick, their breakdown on why they're excited, why ex-player, you know, Corey Davis is good for the Jets offense, why Zach Wilson was a good draft pick, why Elijah Vera Tucker, what he brings to the offense. I mean, I I could go through a whole bunch of names. They brought in an edge rusher. I'm blanking on the name right now, but they brought him in from Cincinnati, and they're like, hey, yeah, pairing him with Quinnen Williams, he's going to make a bigger impact because we've got a good de- interior defensive line, and 
having him on the outside is going to really maximize his opportunities and raise his numbers and people are going to get to know this guy. And I, I, if you watch this documentary for any reason, it's that to hear the analysis by the Jets coaching staff and decision makers, why they made the additions that they made. Uh, so that's the coolest thing of the whole documentary. This series also did confirm my belief that the reason why the Jets decided to trade Sam Darnold rather than build around him was less about Sam Darnold and more about Zach Wilson. It wasn't because the Jets said, hey, Sam Darnold is hopeless. We just can't win with him. But the reason why they drafted Zach Wilson and traded Sam Darnold was because they fell in love with Zach Wilson. They went, yeah, this dude is, and, and I agree with them. They felt like Zach Wilson was an upgrade at the quarterback position. And you have a new coach, new offensive coordinator. They got their guy to build around that they felt like was better than Sam Darnold. That's how it came across. That's how I already felt going in. Again, there's a lot of confirmation bias here, I guess, if you want to be critical. But I, I just walked away from this documentary going, hmm, everything I already believed feels like that's what's really happening here. Um, and I, I, I've said this before. I said it when the draft happened. But I personally believe that. And again, you can go back, go find old content I made. I truly believe that the Jets got the best quarterback in this draft class when they drafted Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU. Uh, And I I am really excited for his future with the New York Jets. I also got to say, Mike LaFleur, the Jets offensive coordinator, that's a future NFL head coach. If I mean, as the years go on, give him a couple of years, he's going to build up the Jets, Robert Sala and him, a tandem team. And Zach Wilson's going to do really good. And three, four, maybe two years from now, we're going to go, oh, this guy, Mike LaFleur. He'll, and he'll be the next string of head coaches. He'll be a guy like Eric Bieniemy, a name you hear doing interviews and going, that guy is one of the next head coaches in the NFL. And by the way, it's crazy to compare Mike LaFleur, who, by the way, is, in fact, the brother of Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach. He worked for Kyle Shanahan. A lot of influences there. But when you hear Mike LaFleur the Jets offensive coordinator talk about football and break down film. And then you compare him to the Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni. Mike LaFleur presents really, really well. And in contrast, Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni, the new guy they hired is a train wreck. I mean, it's, I already felt that way. I really have a bad feeling about Nick Sirianni. I mean, when you watch the Eagles PR team, they, when you watch Eagles content, they literally cut his sentences mid-sentence because they're they're clearly trying to hide stuff he's saying. It's kind of embarrassing when you watch him give an interview or give a film room session. There's this awkward cut, and you're like, oh, they just cut him off mid-sentence because they want, he just rambles forever and ever. So Nick Sirianni is not a good speaker. The opposite is true of Mike LaFleur. Mike LaFleur is a very good presenter. He breaks down film in a very calm, comfortable manner. He's a good public speaker. And when you hear Mike LaFleur talk about anything, it becomes even more apparent, oh, this guy with the Eagles have Nick Sirianni. It, it just makes him look even worse. It's really a stark contrast. I encourage you to go look. Go watch this documentary and then go watch some of the content that the Philadelphia Eagles have put out with Nick Sirianni in it. And you'll go, oh, boy, one sounds like a head coach and one guy actually is a head coach. It's very off-putting. Uh, I also want to highlight, you know, this is uh, – Maybe the last thing I'll talk about here, but right after drafting quarterback Zach Wilson, number two overall, on the phone, Robert Sala said to Zach Wilson, he says, quote, this organization is going to lift you up, not the other way around. I love that. That's a complete 180 from the approach and what happened with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, I felt like the former Jets 
Uh, geez, was he awesome? A number two overall pick, number two, number three, wherever Sam Darnold was picked. Their former quarterback, a, a top five pick that they believed in and were trying to build around. I felt like it never actually happened. They, We talked about how you got to build around a young quarterback, but that never took place. And it was kind of sad. Like Sam Darnold re- really never, I felt like, got a fair shot in New York. Uh, and the Jets have made a lot of moves already to build around their new young quarterback, Zach Wilson. It really goes all the way back to 2020 when they drafted Mekhi Becton and uh, made a couple other good moves in the 2020 NFL draft. Then it continued on this year in the 2021 NFL draft and in free agency, adding Corey Davis, adding Elijah Vera Tucker, adding, you know, running back and receiver, just building around their young quarterback, building the offensive line. Zach Wilson has been given a lot of support. I feel pretty good about it. I look at what Zach Wilson has around him, the coaching staff, uh, you know, Robert Sala, the offensive coordinator, the GM, the players around him. I go, hmm, feel pretty good about the future there. They, they really are building something around their young quarterback, Zach Wilson. And I, was, I guess to end it here, I want to give a shout out to the editors of uh, the documentary. I have no doubt the amount of film it took for them to run through all the Zoom meetings, all I mean, there, there's probably hours and hours and hundreds of hours of content they had to go through and sift through to find the moments they did. I mean, it felt like they recorded every single Zoom meeting that the Jets organization ever had. And you're like, oh, it's so daunting to think about the amount of film they probably poured through to create this documentary series. It was really well done. Uh, good storytelling, good editing. Really, my only nitpick is that I hate when you have white on white writing or you have white writing on a really bright colored background or a, a white background and nothing to differentiate it from. So like there's shots of like white writing to kind of set the scene on like a really white, barely blue sky. And like, I can't read that. And that's my only nitpick is I thought that the title cards could have been better, but that's like such a minute thing. Uh, and I guess I would encourage you if you're interested, go watch the documentary. It's two hours. It's on YouTube. It's a four part series. If you're a Jets fan, I highly recommend it. I think you will really enjoy it. Uh, And those are my thoughts on the Jets documentary, Flight 2020. Okay, um, I wasn't planning on covering this at all, uh, but my place lost power here in Washington. It's 115 degrees outside, which is just insanity. I, I I don't know how that affects the power grid, but somehow it does. Maybe people are inside. Maybe they're running air conditioning. I certainly am blowing the air conditioning as fast and as cool as I possibly can. Um, but when I lost power last night, I was like, well, I can't do anything. I just went to bed, woke up, uh, and I woke up and realized, Hey, there's a formula one race on. I should watch that then cover it. So here we are doing that. Um, so let's dive in. We just had the Styrian Grand Prix in formula one. It really wasn't the best race I've ever seen in formula one. Max Verstappen, the Red Bull driver dominated and he dominated the way that we've seen, Mercedes driver Lewis Hamilton done so many times before. Uh, you know, Max was just pulling away from everyone. He had like, with like a couple laps to go, he had like a 15 second lead before Lewis Hamilton got a pit stop to try to get fast lap. Like he was just pulling away from everybody by the end of the race. And uh, look, I have not been shy about the fact I am rooting for Max Verstappen to win the Formula One title. I think it'd be cool to see Red Bull knock off the top dog Mercedes, see Max Verstappen knock off Lewis Hamilton. That's a fun story. I'm kind of rooting for that to happen. But I don't want to watch anybody win a race in a style the way Max Verstappen won Sunday morning. As for me, I guess it's Sunday evening for people in Europe. I don't know how it works. Time zones confuse me. Um, But blowouts are not fun. I watched the race this morning and I was like, 
There's just not a lot of drama here. I, it just there's. I want tense, competitive, wheel to wheel racing like we did two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago we got that. We didn't get that here, uh, and it was just a. You know, France was a great race. This was not. This was a very like ah like you can find storylines if you want to. There certainly are things to talk about, but I was disappointed that the battle for first wasn't more competitive. Now McLaren versus Ferrari, that was interesting. Lando Norris got fifth. And uh, the Ferraris finished back-to-back. Carlos Sainz got sixth, and Charles Leclerc got seventh. In fact, Charles Leclerc had to make a big, really big comeback to get to the spot where he could finish in seventh. On lap one, Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc made contact with each other. Pierre Gasly got a puncture. He ended up having to retire in the end. Charles Leclerc got his front wing knocked off. And so he had to pit at the end of lap one. And then Charles Leclerc had to battle all the way through the grid all the way through the field to get back up and finishing seventh. So I, I thought, I mean, Charles Leclerc won driver that I think that's very, very deserving because he came from the very back to finish seventh, get in the points, help his team out. I love that. I thought it was very, very exciting and interesting. Now, the most heartbreaking part of this race was George Russell. Uh, he's a driver for Williams. He's never finished in the points. It's pretty clear anytime you watch George Russell, you go, this is a really talented driver with a really bad team. He had great pace all weekend. He was kind of outperforming the car, to be totally honest. And uh, today, he was up uh, in the points, was in, in the eighth spot on the grid when his car had a problem and he had to retire early. And uh, it's so disappointing because I, I was like, man, I, I thought this was finally, if there's ever a race where George Russell's going to finish in the points, it's today, right now. Um, and for him to have engine failure that's not his fault at all it's so just sad and disappointing and I personally really really want to see George Russell drive for Mercedes he's such a good driver who is so clearly on such a bad team with Williams so I man if we can ever see George Russell on a good team I really want to see what he can do I think he's a guy who has potential if he's given time to grow and build and a good team around him he could win a world title but he just needs a team around him. He's one of those guys like Lando, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc. Uh, I would put George Russell in that conversation as a guy who, you give him a good enough team, he could win it all. But right now, it's so obvious he's on an awful team with Williams. And I just feel so heartbroken for George Russell. Now, here are the meaningful results from the race. Max Verstappen won for Red Bull. Lewis Hamilton got second for Mercedes. Uh, Lewis also, by the way, got fastest lap, which is another world championship point for him in the driver's standings. Um, I guess, is that all? Anyway. The other Mercedes, Valtteri Bottas, got third. Sergio Perez almost caught him. He finished fourth. Sergio Perez in the Red Bull got fourth place. Was literally half a second behind the Mercedes in third. Lando Norris uh, got fifth for McLaren. Uh, fifth and uh, Sixth and seventh were the two Ferraris, Carlos Sainz, and then Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc, that crazy comeback, really, really cool. Here are the current standings right now in Formula 1. We'll start with the driver standings. You have Max Verstappen in first with 156 points. Lewis Hamilton in second with 138 points. Uh, Sergio Perez is way behind. He's in third with 96 points. I give you that to show context of how separate Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are from everybody else. It's a two-person race, and then there's everybody else way behind them. In the team standings, you have Red Bull in first with 256 points. Mercedes in second with 212 points. Then you have the battle for third. Right now in third, you have McLaren. Uh, They have 120 points. And then Ferrari's in fourth with 108 points. So it's Red Bull Mercedes. That's tier one. 
Tier two, the battle for third, McLaren, Ferrari. And then way behind in fifth, you have Alpha Tauri with 46 points. It's really, there's two people battling for first. There's two teams battling for third. And then that's it. The rest of F1 is way behind all of them. Uh, next weekend, we have another race uh, in Austria, the Austria Grand Prix on Sunday, July 4th. I think that's, I know that's Independence Day in America. I'm sure there's a big IndyCar race. You know me. I'm going to lean Formula One. I'll watch the Formula One race because I love Formula One. It's a doubleheader back-to-back weekends in Austria. I love the Styrian Grand Prix, like where it's located. Uh, it's in Spielberg. The location, you got the Green Mountains. Uh, like there's that sweeping view of the lake and that tiny little village. Uh, I would love to go to race someday there uh, at the Red Bull Ring. It'd be really, really cool. And uh, that concludes my thoughts on the Styrian Grand Prix. I'm excited for next weekend. And I, I hope that somehow we can get a more competitive battle for first or third with uh, maybe Lando Norris, Charlotte Claire, or hopefully the battle for first between, uh, and I mean third as a team, but then first with, I want Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton to come down to the wire and be more interesting. Uh, I, the only saving grace in this past race today was that we had Sergio Perez hunting, hunting down Valtteri Bottas coming in with half, within half a second uh, to finish fourth instead of third. Other than that, man, I, I really, I thought it was kind of a mundane race with not a lot going on. I felt bad for George Russell, and those are my thoughts on the Styrian Grand Prix. Uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do Ask Zach, and then, of course, an interview with my buddy Jack Blayhouse, the commissioner of the AWA. My name is Zach Schaumler. We're going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. It is time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. It's where I answer questions from the audience. In case you do not know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Uh, now, I do not guarantee to answer your question you submit. My only guarantee is to look at every single question with my eyeballs and answer the top couple at the end of every show. I uh, got three today. Very short. I, I want to keep the show down in, in length, and I got a couple I'm saving, so I've got a big list of... If I didn't read your question on the show and you put it on the post last week, there's a couple on the list I'm saving for later, so keep in mind a short Ask Zach today because I want to keep the show length down to like an hour rather than two hours. Uh, Brody writes in first. Brody says, Best life advice you have ever heard. Um, so there's a lot of ways I could go here. There's all these quotes about work ethic and Tom Brady stuff and Tim Tebow stuff and all kinds of stuff I could give you. Um, but what came to mind when I read this question, even on Patreon a couple of days ago, you know, the best life advice that's ever been given to me was my dad always told me growing up, hey, make sure you enjoy your life. Those three words, enjoy your life. Um, you know, I, again, the, the reality is I think most people need to hear that they need to, you know, be told, Hey, focus on enjoying your life. I, for so long, for so much of my life, I didn't do that. I was on a career path. I hated with a girl that I thought I should be with that really wasn't right for me. And once I accepted, like, Hey, I really should put enjoying my life at the forefront of everything. It changed my entire mind frame and it changed every decision I made from then on out. And that was really uh, the catalyst to that was my brother died six years ago, and I was like, man, I, life is really, really short. So um, for me, it, the focus on enjoying my life led to me having a job I love, led to me 
moving somewhere that I love and want to call home and led to me having a fiance I love and good people in my life and not tolerating people that make it hard for me to enjoy my life. People that suck. I don't hang out with. So I just encourage you yet yeah, work hard. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know that sometimes like I, when I, to get to the job I have now, I had to do jobs I didn't like. I worked at a car wash. I slept under my desk every night because I couldn't afford a bigger room, stuff like that. I know what that's like, and I, I would encourage you, even if you're someone who's building for something else, you're like, hey, I, I don't have the job I want yet. I, don't have, I haven't finished my degree yet. I don't have this or that. Even if in your head you're building towards something, which I totally understand what that's like, still find time to enjoy the little moments. I remember... Uh, I worked for ESPN as a camera operator, and everybody I worked with is miserable. They're, all they could think about was, ah, oh, I don't make enough here, or I'm tired, or this, or that, or of course it might go to overtime. And for me, I'm like, I'm getting paid to watch football. If the game goes to overtime, rather than be negative about it, knowing it'll I, I, look, I get why it's negative. You'll go to bed later, but also that's cool. And I, I always tried to find the bright side and enjoy the little moments along the journey. So um, I just encourage everyone. Enjoy your life. Put that at the forefront of your mind. Build your decision-making and build your life around that. those three words. Enjoy your life. Uh, Brody, that's the best life advice I've ever gotten. It's from my dad. Uh, other stuff like people skills matter, work hard. Thing. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, but enjoying your life, man, is the most – maybe the most simple, important thing you could ever focus on. And uh, for me, that changed my life in so many ways positively. Uh, the next question is from Hafe. He writes in. Uh, I love this question. It says, hey, Zach, we know that Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson's huge contract extensions are coming, and it is just a matter of time until they sign it. How confident would you be in giving Baker a contract right now? I wouldn't be confident in giving Baker Mayfield a big contract extension right now. Uh, I want to see how next year goes. I mean, frankly, if Baker takes another step forward, awesome. Then, hey. I would have confidence in him because what you want to see from Baker is not just for him to be as good as he was last year, but a little bit better. I want to see growth and improvement and him getting after it, which I'm, I have confidence knowing who Baker is as a person. I think he's going to get better. Uh, he's got a good team around him, a good coaching staff, good support, and usually a guy with his motivation and his drive with good support around him. Usually that guy does pretty well. But if Baker is the same as he was last year or you know worse, then yeah, I'd be really hesitant. And it does matter how well he does this year because if you look at Baker's career so far, I mean, he had a good rookie year with a lot of passing touchdowns. I think he broke some record. Justin Herbert probably also broke. Um, but the reality is the years before the new coaching staff are gone. The new coaching staff in Cleveland, Kevin Stefanski, has one year with him. One good year. But that's the only really year Baker's going to get judged on is last year. And if he doesn't do better than last year, the coaching staff is going to go, hmm, we're not seeing progress. We're not seeing growth. And uh, I would think Baker's the guy long term. It'd be very cool to see Cleveland have a quarterback that is their guy long term and gets a contract extension and is the person they commit to. It's been so long, it feels like, since Cleveland had a guy like that. But, 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 but. He's got to do better next year and earn it because right now, if you ask me, hey, today, give Baker a massive contract, I'd say, ah, let's wait and see. Okay, Tom writes in. It's a very simple question. I love it. Tom says, pineapple on pizza? Question mark? Uh, yes, 100%. Uh, go to Roundtable, order the Maui Zowie. Amazing pizza. It's like a mix of veggie and some kind of meat. I think it's pepperoni and pineapple. It's so good. 
Um, but pineapple on pepperoni pizza is good. I mean, it's just amazing the mix of salty and sweet that pineapple brings. The juices from the pineapple. Ah, oh, it's so good. And I don't understand why people don't like it. It doesn't mean having pineapple on pizza doesn't mean you put pineapple on any, you know, type of pizza. A the the white cheddar broccoli pizza. What was it called? There's some other name for it. I can't. It, it, the pizza has broccoli on it, and like it's is built around. There's all kinds of different pizzas, and not every type of pizza you can add pineapple on top of to make it even better. But certainly there are many types that pineapple does enhance. And I don't people that are like so against pineapple. I go, I, is that just because they're being silly? Because I, sometimes pineapple does make it better. Sometimes it ruins a pizza. I, I just see, it feels like there's a middle ground here where. No one should ever be all yes or all no. I don't put pineapple on every single pizza I have. I only put it on ones of like just pepperoni or the Maui's always amazing. Or I mean, there's Hawaiian pizza, which is always good. Um, but I, I don't know why you can't have pineapple sometimes. Like, why is that not an answer? People that are like, it never belongs. I'm like, well, how about you try it and expand your horizons a little bit because it's fantastic sometimes. Is that a good answer? Because I, I, mean, I feel like that's honest. I mean, I had a pizza in New York. It was like white sauce and broccoli and you know what it was it was a buffalo ranch pizza it was buffalo ranch it was buffalo ranch uh chicken with broccoli pizza on it that sounds terrible if you added pineapple like don't add pineapple to that pizza not every pizza needs it but sometimes you add pineapple makes it amazing so pick and choose the right scenario but you people out there that are like screw pineapple it's terrible i'd go okay let's expand your horizons a little bit open your mind because that's a little bit short-sighted in my opinion Okay, guys, uh, I want to end the show here. Uh, I want to shift to an interview I did with my buddy Jack Playhouse. He runs the AWA, the American Wiffle Association. I'm a big fan of their content. I watch more wiffle ball than I do Major League Baseball. I, I wish that wasn't true, but it is because I love their content. Uh, the interview is very short and sweet, but it's awesome. Enjoy that now. Uh, enjoy my conversation with Jack Playhouse. Joining me now is Jack Playhouse. Um, I would... Commissioner, I guess, question mark of the AWA, the American Wiffle Association. Yeah. We'll, yeah, you we'll, go commissioner. We'll yeah. Um, I, well, I guess I want to start here. First of all, congrats on the league. I'm a big fan. I think your content is monumentally more entertaining than actually Major League Baseball. I watch you guys more than I watch the actual professional Major League Baseball league because I, I think you guys do it better. <laughs> um, I So, first of all, congrats. And I, I'm curious because I, the organization of everything blows me away. I like I can't even fathom how complicated it is. Is it as complicated as it seems to me, like organizing herding cats and people and jerseys and everything? Well, thank you to start with, but I think when we first started, it was a little difficult. But once you start doing it twice a week, you start giving people different jobs. It starts to become easier, and each week it's you know it's just a it's a system. It works. Mm. So you have people. You gave people roles within yeah. the organization. Yeah, so, you know, your buddy Mark, he's he's usually the uh, commentary guy, and when he's doing commentary, I'll be running the live, and then our friend Alex, he'll be doing stats, and then we got another guy who's controlling the YouTube live, like, responding to comments and stuff, and then it's always, you know, shifting because different people are playing different games, so usually we'll have, you know, like a starter for, you know, Mark's the commentary guy if he's playing, Jack's the commentary guy, if we're both playing each other, you know, we got a third slot guy either Mark or Peter. So it's, it's fun. It's fun to figure it out. How many, like how many people are in your pool of humans to pull from? Cause it seems like there's like 30 dudes. Yeah. So total we have about, well, there's a, so each, each team, there's six teams. We have 
four to five starters per team. And then there's a core group of guys that are always there. So, you know, let's say that's probably, what, 20 to 24 people who are always there for the starters. Yeah. And then, you know, stuff comes up, people miss games. And then from there, we have about, you know, maybe seven or eight guys that are just standing by who want to play. And they just were a little late to the party. But, you know, we need a guy, boom, you're in, plug them in, we're ready to go. That's awesome, man. I I say this timidly. I look at what you guys do, and all I see is money. I'm like, you guys built a field, you have jerseys, you have it's I just yeah, GoPros, it feels like everywhere mounted all over this amazing little stadium you built. I I I just I don't even know what I'm asking. Like where where do the jerseys come from? How do you pull that off? Because I just when I think about trying to do this, I, I look at it and go, I don't know how the hell I would ever make that happen. Yeah, so I think when I look back on it, the first season I did last year, I kind of did the most and it, it you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't work smarter, it was work harder just for mm. no real reason. Mm. So the first year I was cutting out all these, you know, iron on jerseys, made about thirty five jerseys, just ironing on everything. It took forever. <laughs> and then finally realized like I don't need to be doing this, made a website, put the jerseys on there, the players buy the jerseys so I don't have to, you know, pay for all that overhead. And then I'll iron on the jerseys here. I just made a jersey today. Um but yeah, I think I think we're, we're, we're approaching break even, you know, which is, you know, what, what I told myself when I started the league is like, I can't stop before I at least make all my money back. It's just throwing away money, (laughs) but you know, yeah, it's, it's been good. When I, I, my impression is that's like your parents' house, right? This, cause you built this really cool stadium. Like there's the trees and this amazing like fence in the back. And is that accurate? I mean, is that, is your parents' house? Yeah. I mean, so right now, little behind story i'm i'm an accountant i'm supposed to be in san jose so Mm. my job i was supposed to be there the pandemic now i'm right now speaking in my parents basement so all i would do is walk up the basement steps to the field so i get off work today around five we're filming today at you know 5 45 walk upstairs set up the live studio and and ready to go (laughs) that's so awesome man and i what what blows me away too is the production value where you guys have like you have a drone shot to start of I think of like Edmonds Washington and this beautiful like drone shot of all the trees and then you have GoPros in every corner and I I I guess I'm curious too are the cameras like connected to some system live where you can cut to during games? So we have two different setups. So initially it was and I'll, I'm going to continue to put out um, you know edited content. Yeah. Like like the abbreviated games, so that's that's like the drone shots. And then I'll have my camera up behind the mound, and then you know the GoPros. That's all record it, edit it later. Um, but then for the live content, that's just a system of about four or five iPhones that we can just do live. So we got two sets of cameras going at all times. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> awesome, <lot>. man. <laughs> well, I I think people watch and don't understand the complexity of because I, I I've worked I I've done jobs for ESPN. I've done a lot of camera work. Doing a live show is one thing when someone else is paying for it, but then you have, you're like, you're getting cameras and you're figuring out how do I connect these cameras? And I guess it's technical and nerdy, but I just, I, every time I look at them, like, I, I just can't, I, the scale blows me away. Like, do you edit everything? Is that, cause I, I mean, even the condensed versions is like so much editing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm behind all the editing. I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways to, I don't know, put, you know, you know, delegate the work kind of, but I kind of, I, when it comes to editing, I'm the one doing all the, you know, TikTok videos, which takes a ton of time, but the live was a good way for me to just keep pushing content out and just kind of limiting how much edit 
I was doing because before last season I wasn't working because my job was pushed back till December. Mm. So I was, you know, editing probably 30 to 40 hours a week and I just can't do that this year. So yeah. it's, it's a, you know, it's a balance, definitely a balance to it. Yeah, dude, I edit for a living and I, I just, I'm like, man, I can't even imagine. I mean, people don't understand like, and then also there's, you want control. I mean, I, I could hire an editor, but I don't want to cause I like to edit myself and have control yeah. over how I do certain things. So it's like it's the control aspect plus like just all, all kinds of other factors. Um, who does the stats? Is that you too? So, so like, <laughs> I mean, do you back, understand how much it's crazy? So going back to work harder, not smarter. Last year, <laughs> what I did was uh, I think what you're going about, you know, the control aspect of you know making your content you want it as good as possible. I was really just going on that like. You know, I got to do everything perfectly. I wasn't as trusting as I was the first year. Like, it's got to be perfect. But last year, what I did, you know, we recorded the um, games. And then literally after every single game, we had 77 games last year. For two hours after every game, I would go through all the things and do the stats. And I'm like, that's not not feasible. So this year, you know, now we're, we're doing the stats live. So, you know, we'll have my friend Alex Harden or, you know, Mark, Mark was doing some stats too. Um, th- they'll be doing the stats live, which just makes way more sense. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, or so they just have like a notebook as they go, kind of thing. Like it's it's it's, it's one app. of those probably the actual. Oh, it's an app. That's awesome. Uh, it's like iScore or something like that. So yeah. it, it, it's all on one phone. It's it's pretty easy to manage. It is. And then, how do you have an app? Like, how do people know when to show up for a game? Is that another like website or app? Um, I mean, right now it's just I think. I I'm, I just text kind of the captains. There's, you know, six captains on each team. I'm just like, you know, show up. And then we'll, we'll make a post and tag the people on Instagram. It's just like, okay, it's another reminder. But there's definitely times like one hour, two hours before that uh, people don't show up. One one time my dad played and... I saw was, that. Yeah, he tore his <laughs> hamstring. So we try to avoid the, <laughs> those emergency backups. <laughs> and then you guys built this field. I mean, I... What was that like to build a field and where did that idea come from? I mean, because I don't have the vision to see like, oh, that's a yard. I can make that into a baseball field. Like, that's a cool thought, man. Are you, are you, first of all, are you proud of that? Like to be like, we built this cool thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. It was, it's fun. It's a very fun thing to do. I think we've had about, I want to say four or five phases. Like we, this, this field, we made it probably the first phase of it or so-called probably five years ago in the backyard. And then. Like a couple of years ago, we cut down some trees and we used the trees as part of the fencing. And that was in some of the videos last year. And we kind of, and I was kind of like, okay, it's probably a little bit of a safety hazard there. So this year I had a week off of work, just decided to just totally redo the whole thing. So, you know, there's always room for improvement. You know, we got six field or six trees in the back of the field. So it's like, you know, it adds character, but at the same time, like, you know, I probably wouldn't want trees there, but you know, mm. we'll roll with what we got. Well, I think about like Little Jack, like you're nine, ten years old. Was there wiffle ball games played in that location growing up too? Yeah, I mean, it was. It went back. I think. I think when we started getting serious about it, it was. It was high school, and we it, we had the Edmonds Wiffle Ball League where we're all from, and we used to, like our senior skip day. We had the whole senior class play wiffle balls. About what seventy people or something like that. So it's it's been in the works for a very long time. And we just, you know, I just decided, you know, we, we've, we have all this, we're doing it already. We may as well just start putting the content out and seeing what happens. 
your life sounds like the the movie Tag, where these guys like played tag their whole lives, and like we should like actually make this legit. Like it sounds like you did it for a while, and they're like, let's let's make this into a real thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just it was just something to do, and I I just kind of thought to myself like I was just doing nothing, like you know after work or whatever. I'm just like, okay, let's let's do something productive and see what happens. And I I think the beauty of it is like. It just kind of started getting popular for no reason. I, I kind of watch the video sometimes. And I'm like, who's watching this? Then all of a sudden, a ton of people are watching it. I'm like, okay, let's, let's keep it going. I wouldn't sell it short, man. You make it's it's good content. It's it's exciting. There's, um, I mean, are there? I guess another question I'm curious about: Are there little rules you guys decided to implement that made games faster or uh, more exciting? Um, for the most part, it's pretty consistent. You know, if you're thinking about baseball rules, it's pretty consistent. Other than the fact that um, obviously, so we have a speed limit, but which, mm. which sometimes is a little s- tense subject for fans of wiffle ball because they like seeing the, you know, super fast curves and all that stuff. We still have the curves, but we, our main thing is we want to have action games. We don't want, you know, walk, walk, strike out, strike out, strike out, walk out, you know, flare base hit, yeah. maybe a deer there. But, and then also, you know, with the trees, we have, you know, rules like if it hits one of the trees, that's right above our uh, home plate, it's a foul ball, stuff like that, mm. just based on. Yes. Yeah. And then why? Why three innings? Why was that? Because you guys play three inning long games. How did that decision get decided? So we kind of thought about how what the average at bats per you know MLB would be per person, and it's usually three to four. And because we're fielding only three to four players, um, a three inning game just kind of made sense because the average at bats per game would be about three to four. So if we could get it as close to the MLB stat lines as we could, that's kind of what we were aiming for. That, that makes total sense. Why well, I think, I don't know if, I, I think I speak for the audience because I'm one of your fans. Um, I watch and I go, that looks so fun. Like, I just wish I, I think a lot of people watch, like, vicariously through you guys on TikTok and YouTube and go like, damn, I wish my friends did that. Like, I wish I had a community of people who wanted to play with. Like, it's such a cool idea. Do you feel like, are you happy you turned, like, a kind of a side project, a fun thing, you know, like a legit actual thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it gives us all a reason to just keep playing wiffle ball, you know. Before it was just like ever so often, you know, let's play wiffle ball. Now it's like a it's a thing, you know. We have, you know, thirty to forty people. I mean, not not recently, but it, it'll start creeping up there again. Coming over to my house, playing wiffle ball, just like you know what we were doing <laughs> in high school. So if we can keep it going as long as possible, you know, it's it's a fun thing to do. Do you have a background in editing? And in, in editing, because I, where did you get the skill set to make this happen? So I've always been a editor, like a video editor. I've always loved doing it. Anytime there was like a school project, I made a video. Like even in college, I was making videos every time I could. So I started editing probably uh, 10, 10, 11-ish and just kind of just kept rolling with it. That's awesome, man. And then uh, it looks like you guys have in-game replay where I've seen a is – that, is that accurate where occasionally you'll be like, hey, we should check that? Mm-hmm. How does that work? So – for this year, what, what 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 we do now is there's a you know there's a little bit of a lag on the live, so that play will happen, and then if we're not sure, we'll go over, we'll check <laughs> the live replay of the YouTube, and we'll sit tell. I think in future seasons, like next season, we're gonna implement that into the live stream itself, mm-hmm. where you know you can see the live stream. But I think you know just for this year, while we're figuring out live, we'll get to replay you know a little later down the line. It's still incredibly smart. I mean, I because I, that's just a little like easy little hack. Like, let's just go look at the delayed video of it. Yeah. Oh, it really was out. It really that's yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. 
I love that. Um, I, I guess I'm curious too, because you, I, I think what you've done is applicable to so many things beyond starting a football league. I mean, you're a kid who, a kid, kid, you're a dude who had an idea, was like, hey, I, I think I can do this. And at some point you decided to pull the trigger and make it happen. What, what was that process like when you're, because I, I remember when I first started my podcast, I was like, I should, I should do that. I thought about it for a while. And there's a moment where I broke through it and made it happen. What was that process like internally where you're like, I think we can do it. Let's make it happen. That, you know, that's a good question. There's, there's definitely a lot of moments where I, I doubted myself and I, you know, I'm just sitting there editing the third video of the week. And, you know, it's taken me about, you know, eight, nine hours to put this video out. And it's probably going to end up getting like a thousand views max. And I'm just like, why am I doing this? And I, you just kind of keep doing it. You know, yeah. there's, there's no promises. Yeah. You just keep chugging along, keep putting out content and you know, it, some, it'll happen. I, you know, if you truly believe in yourself and you know what you put out there, it'll happen. You know, just, just like you, you're much farther ahead than me, but you know, hopefully one day we'll, we'll get to uh, you know, a little bit more subscribers on YouTube, but you know, until then we'll just keep chugging and see what happens. That's awesome, man. Um, I, I mean, I guess I don't have a lot more, but I, is there something that you, like, do you have a, a thing you're like, I'm really proud of this. All right. That was my favorite part about doing this. Is there like a, a couple highlights for you that you've looked back on and, or you in the moment, you're like, man, that that's awesome. I'm so proud of that. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think, you know, just collectively that I can just, you know, there's, there's times when I'm doing my job right here and I'm like, this kind of sucks. If I didn't, if I didn't have the wiffle ball aspect, I kind of just be a little sad about that, but it's like, this is done boom, right after work, playing wiffle ball, it kind of just takes my mind off things. So as long as I have that where I can, you know, kind of sit back and be like, you know, this is a fun thing that I, I can do for, you know, we'll see how long it goes, but it's, 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 it's a fun thing that I'll, I'll, I'll take with me for a, for a while. I, I just, I want to say, man, it's so special when you can, uh, like for me, I, I turn my passion into a job, uh, but Everybody needs something like that. I mean, I think a lot of people go to work, go home, watch Netflix. They hate their lives. They're bored. There's nothing outside beyond that they get kind of some excitement or passion or fire from. And I just think it's so cool that you, you're like, hey, we can make this happen and do it. And I, I just commend you, man. It's so it's fun to watch. I'm a huge fan. Um, and I, I, I love that you guys did that. So I just commend you, man. Well done. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thank you so much. And I, I thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. We'll, uh, we'll keep, keep having that banner fly out there in uh, what, right field. <laughs> awesome, man. Well done. All right, guys, that's all I have. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm very grateful. Hope you have a great day. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, stay cool because it's supposed to be 115 degrees here tomorrow. It's not supposed to get cooler overnight. Uh, make sure you, if you, if you're at risk of losing power like I am, fill up some water bottles with water. Have stuff ready to go in case you can't cool down your house. And uh, until next time, have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.